1: Happy 5th, 6th? Uh, I think it's 6th. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of good good 4-day, uh, 3-day uh, full-on rest. So good morning, everybody. Uh, whatever you're watching, so glad you're here. Just drop in where you're from. A couple of things. We we are going to jump in uh, today. Mondays mostly are like a pitch practice, right? So you can still come in and pitch to us. I got Daniel ingram who's the Director of Growth, uh, at marketing, at phononic, as well as he is, uh, he's, he has pronos as a new company, just co-founder. So we're going to chat more about that mm-hmm. in a second. And he has some real examples that you don't want to miss. And then uh, later on, on Wednesdays, which is again, 9 a.m. Eastern, everybody was talking about virtual events. So I'm like, you know what? Virtual events suck uh, for the most part, for most people. So I'm bringing in Billy who is really good, their organization, are really, really good at creating an experience uh, and seeing it or creating different experiences for them. So he's going to share trips and tricks to make your virtual events incredible. He's from Elevate uh, Experiences. So so really cool. And after that, um, I thought, well, why not interview Henry, who's the CEO of Zoom Info? Guess what? In the middle of pandemic, they went public. So that'd be really cool to get an idea, like what in the world were they thinking, and was that really important, or actually was the smartest move they did? And they went, uh, they went from like he especially went starting from his garage to going to the three hundred sixty million dollar company. So it's it's a fascinating. So I got a whole bunch of things coming up. Uh, there's a link over there where you can join in and jump in next time going on. So let me play the walk of music for my friend Daniel as I bring him in. And tell me what do you think this is from. All right, Daniel, let me see if you actually move with the song or not. <laughs> <laughs> my kids. So. All right, tell us, everybody, what song this is and why is this your walk of music?
0: That is Level of Concern from 21 Pilots, and it is my daughter's favorite band, and it is constantly playing in my house. So... <laughs>
1: that's good how old are your kids or is it one daughter uh, i have two kids my son is six and my daughter's four man those are fun ages uh how are you keeping up with like running uh marketing over there running an agency and all these things in between so how do you keep up with everything
0: well uh the the secret weapon for me is my wife for sure yeah. she, she definitely takes the brunt with the kids but but fortunately my kids are pretty well behaved so um uh, so that works out pretty good but it, But I think everybody's been dealing with the work from home and the the, the virtual Zoom
1: school and all that stuff. But it's been good. Awesome, man. Well, look, we are going to do what I love doing on Mondays is to give practical things around it. So I'm super grateful for you joining. I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself and what you're doing, especially at Kronos. And we're going to jump in the top three things that people need to know on AccountBase. And then folks... Just jump in with your questions. You can. There's a link there where you can literally go live and ask questions to Daniel and I around your compass. Because look, I don't know of a single B2B company right now. I really don't know. I mean, it's it's like ridiculous. Who's not thinking of doing ABM or are not practicing some form of ABM? Because if you're not specific around it, around who you're going after, then it, it, it you know you don't have all that kind of money. This is not the economy where you're just like, well, let me just test something else, you need to know who you're going after. So Daniel, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, and then you're going to just jump in and, and talk about the top three strategies that you're seeing played out in the market. Sure, sure.
0: So a bit about myself. I've spent a little over the last 10 years as a demand generation marketer, mostly for uh, larger manufacturers and kind of a lean setting. So I definitely hear me talk a lot about lean and efficiency and process
1: and stuff like that.
0: But in the last uh, three or four years or so, I worked for a high growth startup, kind of the other end of that spectrum, uh, where it was all about go faster and, uh, and, and just get it 80% of the way there and go. So it's been a very interesting um, switch from that, that very conservative kind of uh, slower growth, very lean approach to the higher growth, uh, just go, go, go. And so about a year ago or so, me and a couple of my colleagues started up uh, Kronos, which is all about bringing ABM to you faster and built on a repeatable, scalable process. So a lot of what we talk about and what we see is how to kind of build that foundational process and the foundational approach to your account-based strategy so that you can grow it faster and
1: and scale it up. So that's, that's a lot about where I've kind of come from and where we're headed. That's fascinating, man. Look, I'm I'm going to put up, I've been lately falling in love with doing polls on LinkedIn. Quite honestly, a typical poll would get like within a day, 100, 200 people. And then by the end of the week, they're like 500 to 1,000 people. So I remembered the days when you would say that, oh, if you get 100 people to respond to your poll, like, you know, that's statistically significant. I'm like, oh my God, that is like off the window. Like you can literally get 500 people. To respond and hopefully they're like you know they, they won't they shouldn't be responding if they're not your target uh, list or the question doesn't make sense to them but but here is something um, something really interesting I put a pull out there's like what's your top evm strategy that is driving the best results right now and again this was within a day and then I looked at it over a week and it's, it's pretty consistent and across the board 60% or so said demand gen is their top ABM strategy, closely followed by, no, no, sorry, not, close, not, not closely at all, followed by pipeline velocity, which is only seventeen percent Retention is 9%, which shocked me. And then expansion was about 14%. So when you look at this, Daniel, what do you think? Is this good? Is this bad? Is this what you're seeing? What, what, what's going through your brain?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely in line with what I've seen. I, a lot of people start down the ABM path because it's a demand generation strategy or can be a demand generation strategy. So it's not surprising that that's number one. But as you get into it and start realizing the benefits, this the first thing you pick up on is velocity. And that, I think that's not surprising that you find that there. And then from a retention, I think retention has been very... I don't know, I don't know if the word is trendy recently, but it definitely uh there's been a lot of talk around retention and using ABM strategy to drive retention. So, seeing those three on the list make a ton of sense. You know, the cross-sell upsell is another good fit. Uh I kind of fit that somewhere in the demand generation side of things, but but it, it kind of bleeds into all of the areas to be honest, but but seeing demand generation as the first one is kind of a natural fit because a lot of marketers who own the ABM strategy own it out of the 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 demand generation like uh, approach and so so i think you know starting there is not is not
1: uncommon so i, I those those are what i would expect to see that's so so here's uh, i'm gonna give shout out to a couple of folks who are joining in actually a lot of folks joining in right now so um, michael good to see you it's, it's always fun to have you on it um, I I see people are in, psyched about this interview and the next one coming in. Sean, um, really good to see you as well, uh, Sean. Daniel and I and Daryl, we're we're all in a uh, in a small community. Uh, if you want to join that, like just hit me up after this. I'll send you an invite. Um, we also have Ray. Uh, it, it's pretty pretty cool to have you on a consistent basis. Here you go, Daryl. Man, representing Tower Canada. Let's do this. Uh, this is really cool. Daryl has been on fire lately. Kaleem, good to, good to see you, my friend. Um, uh, Jerry, so lots of people joining in. And uh, do you know about this, uh, Diffologic Inc., like they, they, it seems like um, they're starting our demand and internship today. So we're excited about this interview. So that's fascinating. So a lot of people joining in. This is just on LinkedIn. There's a lot more on Facebook and Twitter uh, coming in as well. So Daniel, I was surprised by the response, to be very honest on that. I was surprised that demand gen as you said is a natural fit but pipeline velocity and retention wasn't even close second and as you and i know that it's really like that's where it starts demand gen to be with the other people who own it and start doing it and they are the one who are about their job is to create demand but you and i know that in account-based strategy it's about driving revenue and a lot of times the people struggle with that. People struggle with finding success or showing success to their bosses in ABM is because it's not fast enough. It's not like hey, you create a lead syndication campaign and you get a bunch of leads and people call that a success. You do a webinar, you get fifty people to join, that call a success, which we all know it's not truly success. But you have this instant gratification. Almost every demand gen strategy. Hmm. With ABM, that's not the case. You don't necessarily get tomorrow. You start something today, and tomorrow. So, what have you seen that gives people early milestones, early uh, success criteria, uh, early indicators that their ABM strategy is working? Yeah, more people than that.
0: That's them? a great question, and you te- you teed me up well. So, I think uh, to, to start with velocity. One of the reasons why uh, we push people to think about velocity in the context of ABM is because in that that first launching of your ABM velocity is something you can measure sooner than revenue but still drive meaningful conversations with your sales partners about here's how we're impacting the business and so you know particularly for businesses that have longer lead times on the deals or or the sales cycle is you know a much longer sales cycle trying to ride the wave of ABM adoption and keep people engaged and keep people I call it the honeymoon period of, of of ABM to keep yourself in good standing with your partners you need to be able to show results and show success but trying to show revenue results in a short period of time like in the first 30 60 90 days is is very challenging and so the velocity the velocity play I think is a great uh, a great place to start from a result perspective so what I wanted to talk about about velocity is I think most ABMers or our marketers will agree that uh ABM drives velocity, but I wanted to talk about two prerequisites to get there. And yeah. I think the first prerequisite is as a demand generation marketer or marketer, being familiar with what your attrition points are in the funnel. So whatever the stages are in your funnel, maybe you go like maybe today with your lead generation, you can do raw marketing qualified, sales qualified, whatever it is. But having a spread of attrition points on the funnel, which which it could be, you know, do you have access to them in your CRM? Can you target them? Can you go engage them with, and, and what rate can you go engage them in, in, in your CRM with any kind of tactic? And then what rate are they engaging back with you? And then as they're engaging back with you, at what rate are they becoming marketing qualified and kind of down that funnel? And then within the sales pipeline as well, what are the attrition rates within the sales pipeline? So maybe it starts with opportunity and then it goes to, you know, needs identified and then quoted and then negotiated or something like that. So as a marketer coming into ABM, starting out with understanding what those attrition points are at the funnel and then having the historical benchmarks on those attrition rates is a a really important first step so that when you launch your ABM program, you can measure, well, here's how it was before and here's how it is today. So that that's kind of the first prerequisite. Mm -hmm. And I think the second prerequisite is is It's surprising how often that data doesn't exist and and being able to even measure, well, how long does it take to get from, hey, they entered my CRM to we engage them with a tactic or we engage them with a tactic and they engage back with us or so on down that process. So aside from knowing the attrition points, also being able to come, come into it with some understanding of how long is it taking normally in your demand generation to move them from point to point. So that when you're running, you can say, hey, we shorten the cycle time from, you know, needs identified to uh, to an appointment with the sales team or whatever, whatever the case. So velocity. Uh, well, I think often when you hear pipeline velocity, you're thinking about the sales pipeline. And that's definitely legit. But I think uh, as a marketer coming into it, just thinking about velocity of your marketing program overall and moving people through is a, is a great place to start. And uh, it, it can be less contentious than some other points that you might be trying to pull into your sales org or whatever. You know, being able to claim, "Hey, we generated this opportunity as a marketer" is harder than, "Hey, before this, it took three weeks, and now it takes one week." And so you can start to drive some of that momentum off the back of the velocity conversation.
1: Uh, I love that. And look, you're teeing me up now. Look how you're playing this uh, this off. So. Uh, talking about polls again, um, here's what I what I asked, and I think you touched on this, so maybe this is uh, this is another interesting poll I did. What is the number one reason why ABM fails in most organizations? And I think a lot of people took it personally. It's like, oh, it's in my organization because a lot of people, it, it's not immediate success. It's not something you should like, oh, we're doing ABM, IT tell everybody. Don't go and even say ABM, just do the right thing. But the number one reason or the top reason people said was marketing and sales not aligned, like by a long shot, like over 50%. And as as went on, a long shot. So the, the idea of making sure that there is a milestone that sales can jump in, that you can tell sales and show on a very regular basis is very real because most organizations are not able to be able to see it. How are you helping organization or what recommendations would you have like, all right, here's how you build that, true alignment and not just a a alignment in terms of SLAs and like, Hey, if you don't follow up three days later, we're going to send it to your VP of sales. Like I feel like the BS, like that just means this, that just means you have no trust that you're building. Not that, but real alignment that sales and marketing know that they're on the same team.
0: Yeah. And alignment has always been the, one of the challenges that marketers are, are facing. And just to take it back a step, If I think about traditional demand generation, one of the biggest challenges that I saw in my career was the marketer could run the best demand generation campaign in existence. You could crush it and you could deliver a hundred leads to your sales partners in that period. And the sales partner may or may not call back that lead because it's the right account or it's not the right fit or they don't have time or whatever the case, you know, this 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 attrition rate that doesn't need to be there between what marketing generated and what sales is actually going to take action on. And so a lot, and that can be for a wide variety of reasons. And it's not even necessarily the sales guy's or gal's fault. It could just be a misalignment in what you're generating. So what ADM sets out to do right out the gate is work with the sales partner, work with your stakeholders to understand these accounts should be targeted for these reasons so that when you generate the lead or you engage the buyer at that account, it's somebody whose sales already wants to talk to. So, um, so you can avoid some of that that natural attrition in the normal demand generation process. So, when you're thinking about a lot, like how do you build alignment with your sales partners or or their stakeholders in general, for for what one of the approaches that we take is to try to do that on a campaign by campaign basis instead of trying to do that across the entire organization right out the gate. So, if you start with a campaign, you start in a vertical or a product portfolio. And you bring the stakeholders in, in the beginning of the campaign planning process and work with them on who am I targeting and why are we targeting them and what should the lead look like in this campaign, then uh, you can grow from there. So I think one of the things that I've seen is in the beginning, don't try to do everything. Don't try to cover the whole business. Don't try to make it appeal to every salesperson. Find some place that you can start because what you will find is then you have context for your business. If you can say, hey, we did it with this product or this vertical, what could we do with that product or that vertical? It's less abstract and it's more relevant to the business. And then some of the the naysayers or the people who are lead to adopt, they'll be able to see it more contextualized for their business. So starting narrow and starting with a product or vertical that you can get some traction in is is a good way to drive some of the alignment out the gate. And and uh and so oftentimes one of the I guess final outputs of that alignment is what is a lead and what should the campaign deliver? So cut like in terms of business metrics. So being aligned on the front end of, Hey, we're going to engage this many accounts. We're going to, we're going to convert this many into the funnel. This many of them are going to become sales qualified. This many of them are going to win. And if we deliver on this, everybody's happy, you know, being able to say that at the campaign level so that you can get some of that buy-in is a great way to drive some of that alignment. So a lot of times it comes down to what's that upfront process and how, and how does that fit with what your organization is doing and how can you get your sales team
1: involved earlier on? Yeah, it, it, it is extremely hard, man. And, and I think right now, even more, there's more distrust between the teams because of maybe the demand drying up or and people are trying to figure out how do we really do it. And Sean has a, a, has a good question, which I think you just answered in a way where you start. It's like, hey, look, we're seeing a lot of movement happening through demand gen right now. Great kudos, Sean. And again, their organization is called Elevate Experiences. They do incredible experiences for events, virtual events and stuff like that. So um, it's really cool that they're actually starting to see a lot more movement, which, which makes sense uh, at, at their, uh, from their organization standpoint. But they haven't really done EDM before. And this is like their first foray into like, hey, look, it sounds cool. It sounds right. Uh, but they're like, well, what are the first two or three steps to take? Maybe you just like one step to take. What would that be, Daniel?
0: So that, that's, that's, that's a little bit loaded depending on your organization. But what was once said to me uh, many years ago, like three or four years ago, was take a look at what you're doing today and see how you can apply an ABM lens to it. So maybe you're running a, uh, email tactics today, or maybe you run webinar tactics today, or maybe you run whatever tactic in your mix. Well, let out a chunk of that and target based on account. Like really think about, hey, this is the ideal customer profile. These are the roles I want to hit at this account. And then engage that set of accounts and those roles with that tactic and measure the lift. You know, your standard email campaign del- drives this open rate, this click rate. Your, your ABM tactic did this. And once you start some of those tactics and look at them side by side, you start to get the context for your business and that conversation is less about hey i heard about this ABM thing and it's more about when we targeted this group of accounts with these tactics we saw this change in performance so that's not that's not the end game but it gives you some it gives you a starting place and i think the starting place is is really the most important part of ABM because so many times i run into people who they they're they're launching their ABM program they're like four months in and they're still trying to figure out who to target and um and my experience has been that abm is a very iterative approach and and you have to bring the the, the business along with you because uh because you as the marketer who's done all this research or even maybe some of your peers who've done some research maybe you get it or you understand the world of abm but trying to bring the whole organization along there's a lot of change management that goes into that so starting narrow and starting now and then iterating on that is really important and, and so, you know, one of the survey responses earlier was demand generation, and that being important. Then I think in the context of demand generation, starting with a set of accounts, even if you can't get the best set of accounts, uh, but but at least having some critical thinking on this is why I would target these accounts and these roles at these accounts, and just getting the clock going on collecting the data and seeing the engagement rates, like how well can you engage with them? How well are they engaging back with you? With what kinds of tactics? And start measuring some of that. You can really speed up the rate at which your organization adopts EDM. And then you have the context because the second big thing on the alignment, which reaches into demand generation is empathy, empathy for your sales partner and what problem are they trying to solve? Because maybe sales doesn't think they need your help engaging this account or engaging that segment, you know, but, but what I have found is that there's maybe a role type at that account or in that segment that they can't, that they don't have great success engaging with. So let's say you target engineers and purchasing. Well, salespeople don't do well with purchasing or whatever. Like That's just a hypothetical. Well, then point your marketing at purchasing instead of at the engineer because the sales guy or gal needs help with the purchasing. So in the beginning, when you're kind of trying to launch these ABM programs and drive this demand generation not only lining up on what the metrics are, but lining up with problems that your your sales partners are facing and how the ABM approach can solve them can speed that up in the demand generation process as well. So that, I you know, but to answer it more succinctly, the best thing you can do is start. The best thing you can do is educate yourself on what what are some common plays in the account-based space, you know, whether it's on demand generation or velocity or pipeline acceleration or whatever whatever the case, and start
1: testing that against what you're doing today. Dude, I love that. I love that so much. And I wrote down like narrow and now. Like I think that is really key. It's like go narrow now. Narrow. I think that is not a typical marketer straight. It's definitely not my core strength to go to go narrow. Like we all think a thousand people on a webinar is a great thing or a, a, you know virtual event. We have seen, and I think I've shared that in the last one. We started to do 20 people, only 20 people, and limited to 20 people a customer or future customer sessions on Zoom and we capped out at 20. And those intimate events have the biggest ROI, not just in terms of revenue, which is all literally a byproduct of it, but in terms of relationship, in terms of understanding, in terms of community building. So ton of, ton of really cool. And you talked about empathy. I posted something yesterday that the number one skill that every marketer needs to have right now it's not your tools and techniques. It's not your tricks and trips, uh, tips, but it's really sales empathy. You get that right. You get your sales empathy right. You would actually be an incredible, incredible marketer. So go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to, just to speak to that for a moment, the main reason why I would uh, champion that idea is because the main challenge that demand generation faces like that's outside of the marketer's control is it will saw, will sales be like, will they be responsive to the leads that I'm generating? I mean, you know, because it's not because sales doesn't, doesn't want leads or because, or even maybe in some cases, maybe the leads are perfect, but sales wasn't expecting to get a hundred leads this month and they just couldn't handle it. Like there's just, there wasn't enough salespeople to take all the leads, you know? So there's that fundamental disconnect in the output of the demand generation campaign, whatever it is, if you're not aligned with your sales partner. And so that empathy, that sales empathy play is about, you know, so long marketing. And and maybe this is, maybe I'm digging too far into the past, but for a long time, marketing just really leads over the fence. Hey, this guy fill out the form of the website sales dude, go call him back. And if you think about that from the sales guy's perspective, that's a pretty crappy experience. And so that empathy for your sales partner is about really understanding, hey, What has the sales department's uh, experience been with marketing output? And what problems is that salesperson actually facing in the market? And how can I drive my marketing to solve for that? Which is basically what you're doing from an account-based perspective. And so, you know, and the whole start now is not, it's not sloppy start now. I mean, definitely be focused on why you're starting now. It is not... It's not just pour a bunch of gas on the fire and see what works. I mean, you definitely need to think about who you're targeting, why you're targeting, what they're doing. My main point is don't get hung up trying to get that perfect because it won't be perfect. No matter how much time you put into it, it will not be perfect if it's your first one. It is iterative and there is a lot of change management. And the and the, one of my favorite things about demand generation and marketing in general is that data doesn't lie. You know, if you've got the data, you can make uh, you can make the, the decisions or the discussion about it. And so sometimes just starting that program or that effort gives you some data that you can use. So as you're thinking about starting, you know, what data would you need to be able to articulate to the organization? And, and that also goes back to empathy. You know, what would you have to show to be able to pull the sales team along with you? And so... It's, there's there's definitely
1: a lot of critical thinking. I'm just suggesting don't overthink it. So I, I love that. I love data. Don't lie. That's another one. Like you know, I see a hashtag trending out right now already, which is narrow and now. And the other one I just wrote down was data doesn't lie. Big big idea. So here is like let's just talk about failures for a little bit because a lot of people don't talk about this, and I think it just makes people feel like oh, maybe I won't get it right. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong. All that stuff. So. I'll I'll go first on this, and this is completely impromptu, so we'll see how this goes, uh, Daniel, as we talk through this. At Terminus, when we started doing ABM, and we're supposed to, we wrote like books on this topic, like we were supposed to be like the best at it. The first two times we tried to do ABM, like true ABM, we failed. The first time we did it, the way we went about was like marketing came over the list and said, here's where we're going to go after. Wrong approach. We did not get sales buy-in, they did not really feel like they were on the track. They had their quota. They had their accounts. They needed to close that month, that quarter. Um, We were were not even thinking about that. We failed. Second time around, round two, we thought now we're smarter. Data doesn't lie. So we thought we got that. And second time, we said, all right, sales team, why don't you give us the leads uh, or the accounts you want to go after and we'll just jump into and do everything. And, well, the sales team like, well, I want Nike ass like big logos. And we're like, whoa, whoa, it doesn't make sense. That's not even our target audience. So, so, but it was initially, we thought, let's get the biggest logos in the world. Well, fine. We went through that. We failed again. We learned that it's not good. It's not great to even just give 100% to the sales team and say, come up with any and every account. The third iteration that we went through, which actually started to work, and now we are like, I don't know, like, in a 50th iteration of it. Again, to your point, it's an iterative process, is where we actually created the one team sales and marketing thing. And we said, we're going to come up with a list of accounts that make sense. Um, Let's divide this into tiers. And we are going to focus on what we can help close this quarter. When we took that as a strategy saying that we're going to focus on the accounts that we're going to, we need to close this quarter in order to meet our revenue numbers, everything clicked. Everything clicked. The list of accounts was obviously collaborated because sales were already on it. Marketing has already created. Some of that stuff. Then we looked at the menu of options and started engaging those accounts in the right way, applied like you know, the team framework and some, some of the stuff that we have talked about uh, in our book. But man, the third time is when I think we're really connected. And, and I wonder if that is a story that you see played out there because now that you're running an agency and you're helping a ton of different organizations over and over again, I wonder if that is a story that we need to make sure that people recognize that you might fail, right? you will fail in the early days. Let's just go ahead and say that.
0: Yeah. So, just digging into my own experience, the first. Well, I guess the very first, well, it wasn't the very first ABM campaign that I ran, but it was probably the second or third. We did the ICP work. We did the targeting work. We got the target. It was, it was in the healthcare. We were targeting hospitals and uh, certain personas in the hospitals. And we built all the content. We lined up with sales and we executed it from a demand generation perspective. And we, in, that, in that first month, I think we delivered like 168 leads to the sales team, but we only had four sales guys. So we only called 27% of the leads and and it was, a, and that's a failure to me. I mean, because yeah. each one of those leads cost you money to generate, you know, and you're spreading your costs of everything across these leads and, and, you know, different people think of leads or buyers or, or opportunities or whatever differently. So don't get hung up on the semantics, but we delivered these people who wanted to talk to the sales team about a known need at a target account and it fit the criteria and we send them over to the sales team and they literally just couldn't call them all. And so, you know, that was that was probably iteration number two for me. And that's where it really hit home for me that you really have to line up on expectations of output with the sales team before you start. It, it, it not only output in terms of what is the lead, but output of how many of them are you going to drive? Because mm-hmm. once you really start dialing this in, you start ratcheting up how you're spending your money or your tactics or whatever. You can generate too many leads, and and that's and it sounds silly to say that, but it is a real challenge once you're really dialed in. Which is why it's so important to be really tight with your sales partners before you start on. You know, this is how many we're going to drive in this period of time. Does that make sense to you? So you know, just kind of digging from that story, a lot of times, a lot of times I, I see people start up the effort. And then get distracted with other stuff going on, or they think, Hey, my campaign's launched, so now I'm good. And then it's three months later and like, Oh, I didn't change my ads or, Oh, we never went back and revisited the ICP or, or whatever the case. And so I think back to the whole idea of the honeymoon period, the marketer has to stay really diligent in the honeymoon period to get over that hump because, uh, whatever that period is, and I, I think it's something like 90 days, but it, it, it varies. So don't, don't hold me to that. Where you just have to stay on top of, you know, this is my campaign. These are the tactics. These are the things we're going to do. These are the tests we're going to run. These are the iterations we plan t- to try in this period of time. And here's how I'm going to essentially champion this or cheerlead this with the organization. So you're talking about it constantly. So people stay engaged and know, you know, what you're seeing because with that cheerleading or championing through the organization, listening back to what sales interpretation of this output is and pulling that into what you're doing is very important. You can't you can't turn it all on and be like okay sales team go look at this output you know you have to you have to keep iterating on that output to make sure everybody understands like what's happening and why it's happening so so definitely it's definitely iterative i, I mean i see that pretty much every time because you don't know what you don't know and it is it's very it's similar definitely in theory but it is distinctly different from traditional demand generation and then as a marketer Maybe it's not as obvious uh, out the gate, but it becomes obvious as you do it. So I, I totally agree with you.
1: I'm with you, man. And, and I think these failure failure stories are the ones that will help your organization trust you more. One of my favorite words to use is pilot. Like, like I don't even say and ask people to go and say, "Hey, go and go and tell your organization you're doing ABM." Just say that, "Hey, I want to really just pilot this." particular strategy for these particular set of accounts, four or five. So uh, Daryl, who's the CMO of Vanilla Soft and has been on the show a couple of times um, as well, he, he talked about this, the, he's asking question, what ABM's marketing tactics work best to engage your sales force uh, in the process? Uh, yeah. So Daniel, I'll let you go first and then I'll add a couple of cents to that. So... <clears throat>
0: Tactics definitely depend a lot on what makes sense for your business, but um, you know I think, and, and, and depending on how you want to interpret a tactic as well. But um, oftentimes the MVP, and I think of it as minimum viable productive campaign, the MVP. <laughs> that, that's the that's the, what I use. Is, you know you you just being able to measure end to end, you know, point of you know we 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 first got access to this target to here's what came out at the end. And, uh, and having a set of tactics to just be able to spread that full funnel as a starting point uh, is very helpful. So uh, and this is not me selling anything, but having account-based display ads all the way at one end of the funnel, you know, and then popping in your email and kind of in the middle of the funnel or par- targeted personalized email in the middle of the funnel, we can talk a lot about what what happens there. And then having a BDR play at the end of that marketing funnel to be able to turn over an appointment or a demo to the sales team, you know, and then, and then layering in between there. But I think driving the, the personalized, uh, you know, even with just email, I was trying not to get too far down this, but with email, we found after a lot of testing that four factors of personalization makes all the difference, you know, so first name, company name, website, whatever, whatever your factors of personalization are. So um oftentimes when we're building these campaigns or these tactics from email perspective, we'll send them from the sales guy to the salesperson's target accounts, you know, that are personalized in this way, et cetera. But, but I think what is going to pull the sales team along is less about which tactic. And, and it's more about what data you're able to share with them off the back of the tactics. And, and I think of it, I always call these, and I stole this from Marketo, I think interesting moments. Like, What would be interesting to the sales team to learn? And and when, when do they need to know that? And so that interesting moment could be that somebody visited the website. It could be that somebody opened an email. It could be that somebody registered for a webinar. It could be whatever it is, whatever it needs to be. But the point is asking your sales partner, hey, what would be an interesting moment to you? And on what time horizon? That's the other important, does it have to be today? Could it be yesterday? It could be in the last week. You know, what do you want to know? And then putting your tactics in there to drive that, you know, is a a great way to help the sales team understand what are you even talking about from an output perspective? You know, so I think, take it all the way back to the beginning, the marketer has a huge responsibility to educate the organization on what's possible. And a big part of the reason why you do this piloting in the beginning is to put it in the context of your business. So you can say, instead of, hey, other ABM marketers see this, you can say, Hey, in this vertical, with this product, we ran this test, and this is what we saw. And it's just a different conversation. And and it might not be perfect, you know. And it might not be it might not be the end game, but it pulls the business along because it goes back to it doesn't matter how awesome your marketing is, you can have the best marketing in the world if you're not if you're not lined up with your sales partner on what you're doing. That campaign is not successful. You might get some success out of it, but you're not where you could be if you were if you were lined up with what you're doing. So. Educating on what's possible and then putting in the context for your business is super important. And so whatever those tactics might be uh, to drive that that data is what is what fits for you. But I will say that oftentimes we're using account-based display that's targeted to the account and the role. And then oftentimes we're doing highly targeted email that's uh, very role specific and very personalized. And then oftentimes we're doing BDR plays. And then there's a wide mix of stuff that comes with.
1: Man, I, I think, and Daryl knows this better than anybody as, uh, as someone who actually truly, I feel like he's a sales guy in a, in a marketer's body. So it allows him to, to be on both sides of it. And he probably is one of, the, one of the very few leaders I know that have a tremendous sales empathy around it. And as a matter of fact, he jumps in and does the thing. He does a podcast for only sales people because that's their all. Like it, it's, it's fascinating all the things that he does. Uh, so I would ask and he made like, you know, he made a comment like, hey, look, ads are given with ABM. Like you're just going to if you're not running an air cover app program, uh, it, 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 it's a given. But that doesn't. And he has a good point. That doesn't engage the sales team because that's not to your word. Use your words, Daniel. That's not an interesting moment for that. And the interesting moment for them is really. Saying, well, when they come to the website, are they able to now, if they look at the ad and if they come to the website, are you telling your sales team immediately that, hey, so uh, somebody from your target account that you are focused on is on the website today so they can prioritize? I think that's, that's the moment that's where they were like, oh, marketing is actually doing something. Marketing is, is great. And I know there's, there's a, lot, there's a lot, lot of really, really good insights on that one um Christine you know she she's loving your honeymoon period metaphor when starting with abm aligned with sales because there is definitely that and then it wears off very quickly if you don't uh, give a whole bunch of whole whole, whole bunch of work on it uh, paul has a question It's like what's the difference between dimension abm and inbound for folks who are like working all this together it almost feels like they're all coming together if you're doing it, but I'll reserve my thoughts on it. Let Daniel jump in on this one first.
0: They definitely all come together. I think, uh, account-based is a go-to-market like approach. Uh, it is a, is a way of thinking, you know, account-based just says, "I'm uh, before I start my marketing, I'm going to think about who I'm targeting and why I'm targeting them from an account perspective. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's not that that's not different from what marketing has quote, unquote, always been. The difference is in how you scale that up and how you make it a repeatable process and the speed at which you can do that now, versus in the past with the technology and the process that exists today. So account base is really just a, a framework or a way of thinking about how you do your demand generation or how our or even how you weave that in with your inbound. So then looking at demand generation versus inbound, this is just my perspective on it. Demand generation in my mind, it's not like inbound can be part of your demand generation, like strategy, but demand generation, like if I'm delineating in my head is more of kind of the outbound, like this is the proactive stuff I'm going to go do to generate demand in, in these segments or in this way. And inbound is, 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 it's still a proactive strategy, but it's, you know, being found and having people come to you. But what's interesting once you start launching your account-based domain generation is watching your inbound metrics go up or improve as you're running these account-based plays. Because if you're putting out these ads, this is one of my favorite things to do, particularly if you're in a vertical or a product that doesn't exist in the market today. You know, like you, you just launched a new product, it's totally new, nobody has anything like it, there are no competitors, nobody's searching for that right now, right? You can't search enough to optimize for that because nobody's searching for that. But, uh, and this is just one example, as you start running your account-based ads or you're engaging these accounts with this targeted messaging, people, instead of clicking on the ad or doing whatever they're doing, they'll just Google the name of your company or they'll Google the name of the yeah. product that's in there or whatever. And then you need to be present or you, you lose some of that authority on the subject. So there's, you know, from an inbound strategy perspective, you still want your content to be optimized to show up on Google when somebody types in product A even though nobody's taking them product A according to you know whatever software you're using to watch for that, you know, because when people see those ads, they're gonna start watching for it. So the short answer is it's all very much interwoven. And I think, you know, it's it's a little bit counterintuitive to try to plan your marketing out across the whole everything, you know, way in advance because so so much changes. But I do think having a macro view at your marketing, even knowing that it's probably gonna change, for the year or for the half or something like that, where you can plot your outbound kind of demand generating activities with your inbound activities, how that might weave together and and doing that in the context of an account based approach is, is that's where the magic starts happening. And so yeah. it, it, it's, it's not impossible, but it's very hard to do that on day one. But as you start growing, uh, what you're doing, you can start seeing where the intersection is
1: and, pl- and planning that out. So, so hopefully. Yeah. That- <laughs> No, that's good, and and uh, and again, Daniel and I and Daryl and some of us are in this uh, private group for marketers. So join in because we, we we can chat about a lot of these things as part of that community as an ongoing thing. What you said, something that I want to just make sure nobody misses: the idea of doing account based is not that you are actually adding a new thing, new channel to it. It's it's because it, inbound is a channel. Outbound is a channel, like all these different channels. But you said, and you defined it ABM, which I think I've I've, I've really, hopefully, is anchoring in people's mind is ABM is a go-to-market strategy. So you need your organization to, to align this with an ABM. ABM by itself is not a goal. It's not a, I don't even say you should say ABM, like because you mentioned this, and I've seen this happen over and over again. If you actually do ABM right, your inbound will go up. Mm-hmm. It, crazy as it sounds, but that's what will happen. If you only focus on inbound, your AB, that that's not going to work. But if you actually do the right ABM, and let's just, let just, I'm going to just repeat what Daniel just said, so everybody just hopefully remembers, it, remembers that, is your strategy will probably include something like this. You're running apps to, to give air cover, to get those uh, people aware of that. During the same time, you actually have your sales team doing an outreach there's engagement. Now you're sending them direct mail. So now you're starting to engage even more. Some of some of the ones that actually are starting to engage, let's say you have 100 accounts, and maybe 10 of those accounts are engaged in, on, let's say, ads or any of the sales outreach. And then for those 10 accounts, you can do um, direct mail or something to get to the next level. Um, and, and then this is how you start segmenting. But you're literally increasing the level of personalization as you go deeper in the organization and the more you get into it because it more valuable to you, there's more interest, there's more pulse in it. And all of that, which is exactly how I, and I think most consumers do, you see an ad or see something, you don't typically click on that ad. You would go and go Google and say, let me check that out. And you would just go in there. So if you're looking for, oh, did that campaign work based on ad metrics, as an example, you're going to lose it. You're going to, you're not see, see success. And that's where I think where Daniel was going. You cannot you cannot define success specifically to that particular tactic, but that particular campaign, and the campaign should include the accounts that you're going after. And now you need to look at, have those accounts moved to the next stage, have those accounts go to the pipeline. So I'm just jumping in and saying, yeah, don't miss what Daniel just said. If you do ABM right, chances are your inbound will go up your sales engagement will go up. And those are the real business outcomes and business metrics that you need to be thinking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and the the last one, which we don't have a lot of time to cover that we didn't really get to is retention. And I just wanted to bring it back to retention for a moment. And mainly, the main point I want to make is ABM is not just for new customers, right? It is very much also for your existing customers. And, And I think, you know, marketers don't send in my experience, marketers don't spend as much time thinking about their current customers as they, especially demand generation marketers, as they do thinking about the acquisition targets. You know, a lot of that's driven by whatever your markets are. Hey, you got to go get X amount of incremental revenue or X amount of new leads or whatever, whatever that is. But the point I really wanted to make is having an eye toward your existing customer base and even just understanding, hey, these ones are going well and these ones are not going well. However, you know that. And there's we don't have a lot of time to get into that, which I've I had some notes on that. But what you can interpret from a variety of sources of data, or maybe it's just subjective. You know, maybe it's just hey, you're reviewing their sales team. These are the accounts that aren't going well, or whatever the case. But having a bucket of accounts that are going well versus a bucket of accounts that are not going well, and changing what you say to them, or how you engage them, or whether you're engaging with them based on whether it's going well or not going well, is just kind of the I guess the, the the jumping off point for your retention play and uh and granted we don't have a ton of time to talk about it now but but i would encourage you to think about retention at, and there's a bit of a cross-sell upsell play in this too in terms of how you're looking at your your customers. but strictly from a retention or I, I had one client call it uh customer love campaigns think about your customer love campaigns in terms of you know what kind of love do they need and why do they need it and what do you do about it you know and so uh so just, you know, just having a fundamental segmentation of going well, not going well and changing what you're doing or how you're doing it or the cadence on what you're doing it or the timing in which you're going to do it based on like renewal cycles or whatever is a huge opportunity for account based. And, uh, you know, going back to something I said earlier about how uh, marketing has been doing this forever, but it's about scale and speed. One of the things that is newer in marketing today is the data that's available, the systems that are available to go get that relationship data or that behavioral data and interpret that and act on it. And so, um, you know, so if retention is, is something that you are very interested in, definitely do some reading on how account-based plays it. But we're not going to be able to get into a bunch of it now because yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity in what the tools are doing today and what data is available today. There's a lot of good thinking about how to drive retention with account-based strategy.
1: I love that, man. I know. And we are like way, way off time. And I did not even do your point yet, but you sent me a whole bunch of notes. Daniel, would you mind, like, would you put those notes and comments in the, in, in the community that, that you're in our portal so that people get access to it? Because there are a lot of details in there. So, um, so I'm going to summarize with three big ideas. There's are lots here. Um, and, and I'd love for you to give a challenge to everybody. Um, Daniel, what they can do today to just start going on it. And again, the This is this is on fire. I love um, the comments that are going on there. Like Stacy's, like if you do A B M, is right, your inbound will go up and more qualified audience too. So you're absolutely right. um, It's I think the comments you can see it's on fire and stuff. When you get a chance, just go back into the thread um, and you can comment. So three big ideas: one, go narrow and now write down hashtag it. Put a sticky note. I think it's it's I think it's a life goal (laughs) to be like narrow and now it's like don't procrastinate, do it now, but you don't have to go and do it all in. You have to. You can start narrow with a few accounts. Creeping. That's like your life. Like don't go and try to do everything. Just start somewhere and start with one thing and then you you will learn and you will go. I love that. Number two, I, I love data doesn't lie. And this is why narrow now makes sense. If you do it now and if you start narrow, you'll get some data points. If it works, you can go and ask your CMO and CEO for budget on it because you have proofs on it. If you don't do that, then the idea of like, hey, let's just go and change the world doesn't work. People are going to be like frightened because you're going to challenge them at a very different level. So why not just test narrow and now start somewhere, find some results and then prove it and go from here because data doesn't lie. I love that. And the last one is like, look for if you want to really truly create sales and marketing one team experience, we call it marketing in many ways is look for creating and showing your sales team the interesting moments that they care about and what they care about are not like, Hey, how many clicks we got on an ad, because that's not what would compute them to revenue, but like your target account that's going to help you meet your quota this month is on our website. Now that's a conversation. A salesperson is like, where can I give you a high five? Right. I mean that's what they want. They, the job depends on it. So Lots of great things uh, around it. Um, ABM, if you do AVM right, uh, your inbound will go up. So, a lot of conversations. So, I'll put those notes um, as well later on uh, in the community. But, Daniel, what is the one thing you want to leave everybody with that is practical um, that they can just go start doing today? Yeah, uh, I think uh, you're putting me on the spot here you know, whatever your approach is. All your good points like i just repeated
0: all the good points you told me so i'm going to like i'm like yeah, yeah no no this is this is great i mean whatever your approach is whatever whatever your campaign design process looks like today write it down that, that that's what you should do write it down and then start improving it you know because i think it's easy especially in high growth really fast really lean like really small team environments easy to just start firing stuff off and just rolling forward. And maybe you know in your head what you're doing and you got it under control, but sometimes just taking the effort of writing it down so that you can iterate on that process of this is how we go about starting a campaign, launching a campaign, designing the content, whatever, have that process written down and start improving it. And I think, you know, part of what makes Kronos and our clients successful is that process what is that process how do you get started and and how do you iterate upon that because as we've said many times it's a very iterative process and and it's different a little bit different for every business which is why i say you know the best thing you can do is write down what you're doing
1: and then start improving it so write down i love that awesome man thank you so much see you back uh soon daniel what you're doing in the world of uh, abm is is phenomenal how can people reach uh reach The uh, best way to hit me is really on LinkedIn. To be honest, uh, I watch it like a hawk. Uh, so hit me, uh, hit me on
0: LinkedIn. You can DM me or or, or whatever, whatever works for you, uh, and I'd be glad to follow
1: up. Yeah, and again, Daniel is someone I did not do a great job of introducing it. So if you didn't hear him, check him out. He has won several awards for doing best in class account based marketing. He's a practitioner. He's not one of the influencers who just talks about it. He's actually doing it and implementing it in his organization as well as as part of the agency for multiple organizations. So great guy to follow up. uh, Please do so. Uh, And thank you everyone for joining in. Next, uh, no, this Wednesday, everybody, we're going to talk about virtual events. So everybody is on virtual events and doing some sort of virtual event out there. So I'm going to have my friend, Billy, uh, who is with Elevate, talk about how to not make your virtual event suck. Uh, which I think is is kind of the theme right now for the most part. So see you on Wednesday, 9 a.m. Uh, well, with, with, with Live Up Here. Again, Daniel, thank you so much for joining. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next Wednesday.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review.